please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're grateful once again for this day where we can gather as your people, as one in you. And we just pray, Lord, as we dive into what it means to share the good news of Jesus with our friends and loved ones and whoever you call us and join you in the work you're, that you're doing around us, we just ask, Lord, you would use this time in a powerful way in our lives because we need the gospel as well. And we ask, Lord, you would think our thoughts, that my words would be yours, and that you would bend our wills to your own and take all of our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It's probably no surprise to you that we live in a culture of expressive individualism. iPhones, iPads, iMovies, iMusic, i I, I, and we define ourselves in psychological and sexual terms. Who we are can only be known by myself. I have to look inside of me. And everybody else is morally responsible to embrace whatever or whoever I am. If and even if what I claim contradicts what is observable about me. I live my truth, and you must applaud. My friends, this is just warmed in the oven, pre-microwave spaghetti leftovers. All right? Known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism in the first century taught that spirit is good and material is bad. And the only way you can truly know is to look inside yourself. And you discover the secret knowledge. Gnosis means knowledge, thus the term Gnosticism. The specifics of that knowledge in the first century differed from group to group. And all believed that it was only, the only way you could find such truth is to look inward to yourself. Past any physical reality into your true self. And this crept into the church. So you had Stoics on one end, Hedonism on the other. And while the outworking of them and now might be different, the beginning of them is the same. To look inside for truth. To look inside of ourselves to imagine how it is I can live my happy and authentic life. External rules about our behavior should never hold us back from living into my true self. Follow your heart. Our true selves have nothing to do with our body. Does that sound familiar? Well, my friends, this has nothing in common with God's word, God's world, or the places of our bodies within us. And we are part of the Jesus movement. We're Christ followers. And God created us good. And while, yes, we're marred by sin, we need the truth to come outside of us 
not inside of us. And God in his mercy came to tell us who we are and what is good. That we are created in the image of God is far better and it makes sense of this world. You are not trapped in a body. You are a body. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Body, soul, meaning your mind, your will, and your emotions, and spirit, which is eternal. And God created that all good. You know, you are a body. You are a person. And God has told us who we are, how we're to live. And united us with Jesus, who by his spirit empowers us to live in this real world. That is good. Though marred by sin, it's good. So brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that the church has been here before. No biggie. We can thrive. And that is why it's in this world we're in this series called Compelled. So last week we looked at what the good news actually is so that we can get crystal clear and what the message that we're taking to the West Shore, where we live, where we work, where we play. And this week, we're going to talk about how do I share it? How do I get in this conversation? And next week, we're going to look at the treasure that the good news actually is in the believer's life. For if you look in the front of our bulletin, our mission statement is disciples making disciple makers. Repeat after me. Disciples making disciple makers. All right? Discipleship and evangelism are opposite sides of the same coin. And in my conversation with Bishop Minns and Bishop Engel, he, they're really encouraging us. There's great hope in Christ church that we can be that place where no matter who they are, they can come into this place. They're welcomed. They're loved because of the good news working out in and through us. And it goes forth from this place as disciples making disciple makers. And sharing the good news is just part of that. As I mentioned last week, when you're passionate about something, it's not weird to talk about it. And so the first thing when it comes to how can I share the good news of Jesus with some friends is just to begin praying. Pray for God to provide you an opportunity where you live, where you work, and where you play. Who are those people within our household? You know, where I work and hang out and where I play and have a good time. Pray for boldness as you make the, that you would make the invitation that we're going to talk about here in a second. And pray that God would soften their hearts to the reality of His grace and truth. It might sound obvious, but praying is the most important thing we do. All right? It comes a time in our lives that's all we physically can do anymore. And that's the most important part of our church is the prayer warriors. And so, my friends, it's important that we engage in conversation. So, so how can we not be that weird Ned Flanders guy, all right, and be authentic, genuine disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, it first starts off with just simply asking questions of people. Getting to know them. I mean, you live in a neighborhood, right? So here's your house, and there's probably six other houses around it. Do you know them? Do you know their names? Do you know 
you know, their kids' names, their grandkids' names. What are they interested in? Get to know them. Are they interested in, in politics, sports, music, uh, issues pertaining to their job? If they're retired, what are they into? How are they spending their time? You know, are they into gardening? Are they into their grandchildren, travel, whatever it might be? Everybody's got interests. We should know and be intentional in getting to know them as best we can. Secondly, you look for a point of common interest with them that you share, perhaps. You know, that can be tough at times, especially across the generations at times, but it's possible. You know, let's say they're interested in sports. You know, two months ago they were saying, man, it's like 1968 in baseball. Nobody's hitting the ball anymore. These pitchers are really good. No, they're not. They're cheating. They're cheating. They're, they're, they're putting foreign substance on the ball to create the spin rate of the ball. I don't know if you guys are paying attention, but that is going on. And a couple of Indians are doing it, all right? And they're getting away with it. And until they enforce the rule, it's going to keep happening. Don't complain to me. Just enforce the rule, right? I'm passionate about it. I think it's important. You know, a game of integrity. You know, that's how I could share with a baseball fan. Just something we could get in conversation with one another. Hey, you got a kid that's going to college. I do too. You know? Hey, what do you think about students protesting about a speaker that's coming to the college, to the administration? That person shouldn't even be allowed to come to the university and speak. University means una, one, versity, many. The, out of the, the many come one, right? There's lots of diverse thought, I thought, at the university. What happened to that? Where do you think this inability to deal with people who are different from you idea comes from? Huh? Or how about, you know, they're into the arts and whatever celebrity movies and what have you. What, what do you think of that celebrity who was caught doing this and they got a slap on the wrist and, and so-and-so gets, you know, 10 years in jail? What do you think about that? Talking about morality, going to morality on almost all these things, right? Okay? I'm going golfing this Thursday. Uh, it's the first scramble of the summer. I get in more gospel conversations with these guys than I do all year long. And it's so much fun. You know? Why? Because at least I'm trying. You know? Trying to get out there. You have somewhere to you can go and try. And so I'm probably going to have this conversation. You know? Why, why, why do you do the league? Why are you in this league? You know? I just love it. More than one guy has said to me, it just, just relieves the pressure, you know, of life. Talk to me about that. What, what pressures are you under? You know, do, what happens when you don't have golf to relieve that pressure? Because sometimes the trade-off is from one problem that's a, to a worse one. Could be, Right? And then, you, so you get these commonalities, and then you see the issue at hand for them. And, you know, I, you know, as a Christian, I've experienced the transforming peace and presence of Jesus. 
you know, what do you think about Jesus? Like I said last week, when you ask them, what do you think about Jesus, they will tell you, you know. And seven times out of ten, it won't even be close to what the real, authentic Jesus is, full of grace and truth. Three times out of ten, you're dealing with an agnostic or an atheist. I'll talk about the announcements, questions to ask them, all right, in a second. But often what happens, they turn to their religious background. They talk about their denomination. They say, I'm a Catholic. I'm a Methodist. Well, I didn't ask you about your denomination. What do you think about Jesus? And the point is, be intentional and invite them simply to read the Scripture with you. Like we talked about in the fall, discovering the real Jesus. I'm going to talk about a new way, which has no prep for them at all, that have our friends in England have found very helpful. William Taylor, the rector of St. Helens, and Richard Borganin, who's an insurance executive, came together and wrote these booklets on John's gospel that are powerfully impacting the ministry of St. Helens in the inner city of London. There's no single way of inviting a friend to read the Bible that absolutely works, but one of the ways you could do and you could invite them is just to say, hey, would you be interested in learning about the real Jesus? Because I don't believe in that Jesus either. What do you think? Would you want to read the number one bestseller? You know, better than any uh, New York Times bestseller? Many more copies. And one of those books in the Bible, the, the book of John, has the first 18 verses will absolutely blow your mind. Would you be interested in doing that? If they say no, um, yeah, you might be disappointed, but that's okay. Keep praying for them. Keep loving on them. Uh, continue to pray that God will work in your friend's heart by the Holy Spirit. William Taylor and Richard Borgonin say oftentimes someone will say no to them, and they just keep praying for them, and years later they come back and say, you know what, I think I would like to. Happens often. But let's say they said yes. So here's what you do. On your phone or on your iPad or your tablet device, go online and download the word 121.com. Go there at that website and you can download for free a PDF of the book one of John's gospel. All right? I say download it because the, you can't get hold of booklets right now. They're being ordered so fast that I, I looked in, in January, they were going to be ready in May. I looked in May, they'll be ready in July. I looked this week, they'll be ready in September. Just download it, you know, download it. And so I want to just share with you how you guys, you sit with a friend and a cup of coffee, you go to the word one-to-one.com, and there's Richard walking with you how to walk a friend through the first book of John's gospel. What, what makes this way beautiful in sharing the good news is that it's broken up into episodes. We watch TV in episodes, right? right? I watched the whole series of Longmire. 
it was seven seasons of episodes. And I would always say, ooh, what episode are we on today? Episode one, episode two, episode three. They divided John's gospel into episodes. And there's no pressure. Just you invite them, say, hey, each episode will take us about a half hour. You know, and if you, you don't want to continue, that's okay. You know, just what do you think? And if they say yes, get prepared, walk through it. And what you'll discover is a book that looks like this, the word one-to-one. And on the left side is the Bible passage. And on the right side are questions with answers that you and your friend just walk through it together. That's it. Very easy and simple. And the questions are written by William Taylor, the rector of St. Helens. And if you, if you ever watch him, he is an amazing preacher, and he knows the Bible inside and out. Beautiful. And uh, Richard, with his business acumen, just put this all together. And it's having a great impact in our culture. So let's just walk through John 1, 1 to 5. You're with a friend. You got a cup of joe. He's got his orange mocha frappuccino thing that he's drinking. And then um, you start to read it. This is what John wrote, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And so these questions are a skeleton for your conversation. Just, just for time's sake, we'll go through them. So the question you could say to them is, well, John introduces the word, and they read the bullet points. Twice, John says the word was there in the beginning. So the word existed before time, before creation, before the beginning. In short, the word is eternal. What do you think about that? Ask them. They'll tell you. But then the natural question, but who or what is the word? Verse 1, the Word is God. Verse 2, the Word is a person. See how the sentence starts with He. And verse 3, the Word who is God and a person made absolutely everything, no exceptions. We're talking about the creator of the universe. What do you think? They'll tell you. Believe me. So already we're being introduced to the Creator. And He doesn't stop there. He continues, In Him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the question is, but what difference does the Word make for life? Your friend reads the bullet points and says, As Creator, the Word is the source of physical life. But as we'll see, he's also the source of eternal life. The Word gives understanding for life. Light. The darkness in our world can't stop him bringing life and light into mankind. And then you read, for 2,000 years his life-giving message has been going out unchanged. There are more believers around the world today than ever before. In fact, the light of the world continues to shine today. That's just the first five verses. You get to the end of there and you realize that the word, the logos, that which is the glue to the universe, that holds all the universe, now he's created, he's sovereign over it, keeps it. That's what the word logos meant in the first century. That would have blown their minds. 
is Jesus Christ. And he came to reveal himself full of grace and truth. He tabernacled with us, meaning God's presence came into the world in Jesus. And at the end of that time, you just ask him, what would you think? You want to continue? If they don't, don't. <laughs> if they do, praise God. Keep going. And go at your pace. Our old system that we did through our journey groups was called, you know, life issues. What we discovered in that was you gave them a book. You asked them to read five chapters. There was an essay at the beginning of it talking about good questions that people typically ask about the passages. The problem is some of those questions the people aren't asking yet. And the other problem is people don't necessarily read ahead of time. Right? And so this is low commitment in a sense. All they got to do is commit to coming. So you take the pressure off yourself because you know what, my friends? It's the Holy Spirit which changes the heart. We have to go and be the ambassadors and represent. And so... In saying that, for the past 14 years, I've been saying to you, tell them to come and see. Come and check it out. And you guys have. You've stuck your necks out and you've invited your friends. You've invited some of this, the same people year after year. And they just won't come, right? You know I'm going to do an evangelism sermon or some type. And they just won't come. That's across the West right now. They're not coming. They have no interest in being here. Why would you come to a place where you don't know anybody at an inconvenient time on Sunday morning? Is what they're thinking. They'd rather sleep in. They'd rather do their sports things with their kids, whatever it might be. But in closing, Richard Borganem was doing a one-to-one -one workshop in Sydney, Australia, when a huge, jacked dude walked up to him. And he said... You talked about inviting your friends to church. You expect me to go to a church where I don't know anybody but you. And when I get there, these people sing. I mean, they sing six songs in an hour. I, the only place I sing is in the bar. Then some poor soul had to get up and read something from some kind of book. I was embarrassed for the guy. Nobody reads in public anymore. I did that in school. And then some guy stood up and spoke for a half hour, you know, about that reading. And you know, the, at the service, you sit and you stand, you kneel, you sit and you stand. What am I, a yo-yo? I'm not coming to this church. And most of our friends won't come right now either. But this guy told Richard, but let me tell you about Steve. I met Steve in the pub. <laughs> and we struck up a friendship. And we got in a conversation. And one day in a conversation, he asked me, who do you think Jesus is? What do you think about Jesus? And I told him. And then he invited me to meet the real Jesus. I said, what, the Jesus I'm telling you about is not the real Jesus? No. Okay. And then he said, it's the number one best-selling book of all time. So I said, oh, maybe I ought to read it. Might have some helpful stuff in it. So I sat down with Steve. 
And I read it. And I realized God in Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. And I've come to know him as my Savior. And I figured, eh, if the people at that church are like Steve, what can it hurt? So he comes. And he came to this workshop that Richard was at. And that's our culture, my friends. We're not all called to be Bible teachers, but we all can be Bible sharers. So I want to encourage you. Pray. Look for commonalities. Invite them in to a journey reading the Bible. Download a copy on your tablet. I'll order them, but they're not going to be here probably till 2023, you know. Um, but it's being used powerfully in our culture, and I know the Lord will use it as we seek to be his ambassadors. For Christ made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's changed me. I know it's changing you. Are you with me? Let's go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would just move in a powerful way. It's so compelling, the good news of Jesus. We pray that our lives would be glorified, you would be glorified in our lives, O oh Lord, as we seek to follow you. And Lord, we recognize that we stumble and we fall in this venture, but we just pray, Lord, you would give us that boldness. And that we're the only Bible some of our friends or family will ever read. And we just pray, Lord, that they would be interested. And you would spark an interest. And like our gospel reading, Lord, if, if they're, they're not interested, move on. But if they are, we pray that you would, we would see you move in this way. We ask, Lord, that you would just bring in an abundant harvest this Pentecost season as we walk into Advent this December we would see changed lives in our lives and our friends in a mighty, mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.